A recent CBS poll found that 54% of Americans feel that other Americans are the biggest threat to their personal way of life. Over half. Another poll done nationwide found that one-third of people that live in this country feel that at times it's justified to use violence to promote a political goal or agenda. 30%. That's a lot. And that's scary and unsettling because we fight and disagree over a lot of stuff. Over politics, pandemics, immigration, guns, the economy, and the policies that surround all of that stuff and so much more. At the same time, the Council of Foreign Relations tells us that right now there are 27 ongoing conflicts in the world between countries, nations, governments, powers. 27 right now. And, and then, there's, then there's you, right? Then there's you and, and the conflicts going on in your life yeah, that disharmony and disunity in your marriage and, and that person you can't get along with in your family and the people you don't see eye to eye with in your office, the people you work with you wish you didn't, right? That pesky neighbor you just can't seem to get on the same page with. Yeah, then, there, then there's you and, and all your stuff. So if there's ever been a time where we need peace and want peace. I'd say this is a, a great snapshot of just the tip of the iceberg of why, right? Don't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I think we all agree that, yes, we desperately need some peace up in here. Peace, though, is not the leading nor prevailing characteristic of our day and time. It's just not. And what we just talked about is just a sample, just a smidge. And sadly, Christians are not known for helping matters all that much. And I say that being one of us. Sadly, historically, I mean, you look back, it's so clear. I mean, everything from the stuff we know, right? The Crusades and, the, and how... Government and politics and religion all got mixed together for just centuries. And power is abused in the name of God, in the name of the church, in the name of religion. I mean, it was a mess. And, and even today, you just look in politics and how you know, Christians get involved in, and, pull, and pulled in and how they... How they react. You look at the media, how the media portrays Christians. You're like, something's wrong, something's up, something's not right. And, and specifically, you have to look no further, really, than how Christians treat one another. If you, if you just look at how Christians treat each other, then you're going, oh, something's a muck here. Something's not quite tracking. With Jesus' mission of peace that we saw last week, it's so clear that Jesus came on a mission of peace. If you missed last week, you want to go... Get caught up. So you have a background for 
the things I'm going to be talking about in the next few minutes. And we'll do a little review here and there, but when, when you talk about peace, people mean different things. When you, when you say the word peace, people mean different things. They, they say different things. They describe it in different ways. For some people, and maybe for you, when you hear and say the word peace, you, you mean an elimination of threats. Eliminating all threats to peace. And when you can eliminate all threats, then you're left with peace. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes you're just left with peace and quiet. Right? For some people, when they say peace, they mean the absence of conflict. And everybody's getting along. And everybody sees eye to eye. And yeah, When some people say peace, they mean people-pleasing People mean different things. What we saw last week is that when you understand the mission of Jesus as the mission of peace, that the best way to understand peace is to understand peace as us pursuing the way of Jesus. Pursuing the way of Jesus. And the way of Jesus is the way of peace. And we talked about last week how challenging that can be. And we also clarified the fact that the way of Jesus is not a passive thing, and it's not the absence of conflict. This is a little bit of review. Okay, and if you weren't here last week, this is, this is quite challenging. Right? If you think peace and you think passive and soft and weak and just kind of rolling over and playing dead, no, 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 that's not it at all. It's a pursuit of the way of Jesus. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of a challenge. It's not about people-pleasing. It's not ignoring issues or problems. But at the same time, it's not about winning and always being right, not told you so. No, it, it's about pursuing the way of Jesus. And sometimes when you pursue the way of Jesus, and we saw last week that the way of Jesus <laughs> challenges the status quo in life and relationships, it, it has a way of saying, no, we're not going to treat each other that way. We're not going to live like this. We're not going to do things this way. It, that's challenging. And can create necessary conflict, but not just in a combative way. Not just for the sake of arguing. Not just for, no, no. It's for the sake of bringing peace. Now, I, I mentioned this quickly last week, and I want to clarify it one more time. If, if you're a Christian... If you're a follower of Jesus, this is on you and me. This is, this is not an elective. You don't get to say, eh, maybe. No, this is required material. This is a required course. We, we have to pay attention to this. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this, this is not something that you have to take all that seriously today. However, I bet you'll want to because it will work for you and it will matter in your life as well. And, and imagine, imagine what would happen if just the Christians got this right, if just the church got this right, what we're going to talk about here, this whole peace thing, this mission of peace, and our part in it, and that's what we're going to talk about today is our part in this whole thing. I mean, if we could just get this right, those of us who name the name of Christ, it's for everybody, but Christians, it's on us. Now, when I start talking about peace, inevitably what happens is, and you talk about Jesus' mission of peace, there's a group of people in the church and in the Christian community that get a little hot and bothered, a little ruffled uh, under the collar, and they're like, but wait a second, wait, what about taking a stand? We gotta take a stand. Somebody needs to take a stand. Who's gonna take a stand? I'm gonna take a stand. Unfortunately, though, 
We think taking a stand is a combative thing, an argumentative thing, an in-your-face kind of thing. And when we see it like that, we, we miss how Jesus took a stand. See, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and, and I can say this because I'm one of us, one of you, when, and I know you. When you talk about taking a stand, what you mean is making a statement. We take a stand. Must say something. Somebody's got to say something. You know what? Sometimes things need to be said. But that's not the essence of what it means to take a stand. I told them I took a stand. Somebody needed to say it, so I said it. <laughs> Drop mic. Right? Taking a stand. See, if we're going to take a stand the way Jesus took a stand, and which would make sense, right, because we're followers of Jesus, so wouldn't that make sense? Yes. And so if we're going to take a stand the way Jesus took a stand, then we're going to have to change our perspective. It's not just about making an appointment and making a statement. That taking a stand is really about loving a person. Yeah. That's not nearly as fun, though, as making a statement. Drop mic, right? I told him. But see how Jesus took a stand? Jesus took a stand. You, you want to see how Jesus took a stand? Look no further than the cross where Jesus gave his life. He took a stand. But not by what he said. In fact, on the cross, he said very few things. He only said seven things, very short statements. He took a stand by how he loved people. That's what stood out. And he told his disciples, I don't have time to get into the guts of this because we've talked about this before, but he told his disciples in John chapter 13, John recorded it, that he said, they're going to know your mind, they're going to know you're my disciples, and you're going to make a name for yourself, and you're going to take a stand, and you'll be known by how you love each other. When you love each other the way I've loved you, that's how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples. That's how we're going to take a stand together. He did not say, you will be known by taking, you know, as taking a stand when you're right, when people see how right you are. There's nothing wrong with being right. Being right is better than being wrong, right? He didn't say people will know. They will know you've taken a stand when they hear what you believe about me. Well, listen, what you believe is very important. But he said, no, they're going to know. They're going to know your mind. And we're going to take a stand together when they see how you love each other. Not about what sign you hold up, what protest you go on, what march you're a part of, and what argument you get involved in when you love a person. Last week, one more quick review, and then we're going to jump in a little bit further. Last week, we saw that Jesus doesn't call his followers to be warriors who fight on his behalf, warriors who fight each other in the name of Jesus, who fight each other in the name of good, who fight each other in the name of religion, who fight each other in the name of the church. That's not what he called us to do. He called us to be servants who love each other as he loved. Let me just quick, real quick example of, of Jesus teaching this and illustrating this. <laughs> Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he, he's contrasting what he came to do with, with the law of Moses, the way things always were up until that point. And then Jesus said, I'm coming to do a new thing, a completely new thing, and I'm asking you to follow me and, and, and do what I've done. This is what, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, I say to you, I say to you, you've heard it said, you've heard it said, when somebody comes at you, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You give them a taste of their own medicine. You let them have it. But Jesus said, I say to you, turn the other cheek. That's where that phrase comes from. In other words, don't return violence back to someone who's being violent to you. You don't give them a taste of their own medicine. You don't retaliate. You turn the other cheek 
cheek. That's what Jesus did, and he gave his life for us. He said, you love your enemies, the people who are coming after you, the people that are making it very hard for, you know, for peace to be a reality in your life, the people that are coming after you that have a bullseye on you, and they're saying all this, and they're doing all that, and they're treating you. And those people, you love them, and you pray for them. You love them, and you pray for them. Wow. This is so counterintuitive, right? So this is what means that Jesus calls to be servants to love each other the way he loved, not to be warriors who fight each other in his name because Jesus was on a mission of peace. And the way of peace is the way. This is all throughout the New Testament. Let me just, let me just, let's dive in a little bit, okay? The writer of Hebrews makes it really clear when we're told as followers of Jesus to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. To pursue the way of Jesus with everyone. Every effort. Every, everyone. Every effort, everyone. Yeah, but you don't know her. Every effort, everyone. Yeah, but you, you, him, 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 them, them, but you don't understand. Every effort, everyone. My gut tells me you haven't done everything with everyone. Honestly, I haven't done everything with everyone. And until we've done everything with everyone, our job isn't done. Woo! Yeah, doesn't that feel all warm and fuzzy? Welcome to church. <laughs> no, man, that's hard. Make every effort. Think about your life. Think about the people in your life. But my ex, okay, every effort, everyone. But, but, but my parents, every effort, everyone. But that person I work with, the people that vote like, that live like, that, that think like, that believe like, you mean them, every effort, everyone. And then Jesus, in his most famous sermon, probably, I think, the most famous thing we find in the scriptures, Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the peacemakers. But they will be called children of God. Peacemakers. Not peacetakers. Unfortunately, that's what we're often known as, the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. In other words, <laughs> blessed are the peacemakers because they're God's kids. That's what God's kids are like. That, because that's what God is like. And if you want proof, you look at Jesus. Yeah. They are children of God. God says they will know you by how you treat each other. They will know you when you love each other the way I've loved you. In fact, you should be peacemakers. And when you are peacemakers, then people will say, you're God's kids. Where along the way we have allowed ourselves to be known as peacetakers in the name of God escapes me. Jesus calls me and you to simply be a peacemaker, which means we are to bring peace and make peace. Bring it and make it. Bring it and make it. Bring it with you. Bring it with you. Wherever you go, you bring it with you. And if it ain't there, you help make it happen. You're a peacemaker. When you walk into the room, you bring it with you. 
When you walk to the when you come into the office, you bring it with you. When you walk into the meeting, you know that tense meeting, you bring it with you and you make it happen. You bring it with you and you make it happen. Peace. That's what a peacemaker is all about. Now, let me clarify because sometimes terminology gets a little mixed up. Peacemaking is not merely peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is important. Peacekeeping is a part of peacemaking. Sometimes keeping the peace is where peacemaking begins, but it can't stop there. You know, you know what keeping the peace is about, right? Think, parents, you know what it's like. Um, educators, teachers, you know what it's about, right? It's about being a referee. You're breaking up a fight. Okay, 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 okay. Back off, back off, back off. Break it up, break it up. It's peacekeeping. That's a very important part of reality. It's a very important part of a civil society. Thank the Lord, thank God for the men and women in our law enforcement that help us form a civil society as best as, our, as, best as possible and, and help us keep the peace. As long as there are people in this world that are hell-bent on causing evil and hurting others, then we will need people to help us keep peace and form a civil society. Thank God for them. But that's just the beginning. Okay? Breaking up fights, being referees, that's just, just, that's just the beginning. That's important. But let's go beyond that and be makers of peace, bringing peace, saying it's not just about, hey, y'all break it up. It's like, hey, let's treat each other the way Jesus treated us. We're going to pursue the way of Jesus in our marriage. We're going to pursue the way of Jesus in our family. We're going to pursue the way of Jesus at the office. At least my part of it and what, what I'm involved with, we're going to pursue the way of Christ. And that mm, is a challenge. Not easy, but it's worth it. Peacemakers, peacemakers, peacemakers. Okay, let me call a timeout just for a couple of minutes here. And I want to kind of geek out on something as a pastor. I'm going to do a pastor geek out moment, which means I'm going to talk about some stuff that you would go, oh, you pastors, okay? Right, that, that, right. So, because somebody here at some point in this series, you're going to go, wait a second, I hear all this peace stuff. Yeah, I hear all this peace stuff. But I think Jesus said something else. Didn't Jesus say, didn't Jesus say, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword? Yes, he did. And what about that? I ain't got the slightest idea. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it used to stump me for years. I'm like, what? that doesn't sound very Jesus-like, does it? I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. When I was growing up, in, in the kind of churches I grew up in, that's the only thing about peace in Jesus we were ever taught. Seriously. That one thing, and he only said it, just this one thing. He didn't say anything else like this. He said this one thing. He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. And they're like, sometimes you got to just whip out the sword. and You just got to let people have it in Jesus' name because he loves them. Right? It just doesn't work. right? So what about that? Okay, Pastor Geek Out moment. Here we go. In the Hebrew language, in the Hebrew language, there's something called a limited negative. And it's not just in the Hebrew language, we do it in English too, okay? Very interesting. It's called a limited negative. And what it means is not only but also, not only but also, not only but also, we do it. If I were to look to you and say, and you were to ask me, hey, do you like me? Hopefully I could say, I don't just like you, I love you. 
I don't just like you, I love you. What am I saying? I not only like you, I also love you. By me saying, I don't like you, I love you, I'm not saying I don't like you. I'm just saying, not only do I like you, I love you. Got it? That's the idea. And Jesus did this all the time. In fact, let me give you one quick example. One day Jesus was teaching and he said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Now, face value, you're going, oh, Jesus doesn't want us to work for food. That, that can go bad. Except that's not what he's saying at all. Because the scripture is clear and the New Testament says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. You should work for your food. So what's he saying? He's saying not only should you work for food that will spoil the stuff you eat, you need to be nourishing your heart, your mind, your spirit, because that's eternal. Are you with me? Not only, but also it's a limited negative. So Jesus said, I did not come to not only bring peace, but also a sword. So what is the sword? So yes, he came to bring peace, but a sword. In the context, if you read in Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus was speaking and he said that, he's talking to a group of people that were living in the reality of how the way of Jesus stirs things up a bit. It stirs things up a bit in relationships. What do you do when you, when, when you start pursuing the way of Jesus and you're in relationship with people who don't give a rip about the way of Jesus, it can create some tension. It can challenge the status quo. It can change the way things have always been done because we're going to pursue the way of Jesus here. We're not going to treat each other this way. We're not going to talk to each other this way. We're not going to do business this way. When you show up in your line of work, maybe you say, we're going to do things ethically. We're going to tell customers the truth. We're going to be honest. We're going to treat each other fairly. And they're like, that's not the way we do it. We just kind of put things on the side and sweep it under the rug and the table. And that's the way this industry works. You, yeah, you're going to shake things up a bit when you do things Jesus's way. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's saying, I didn't come just to bring peace. It's not, it's not that people are always going to always see eye to eye and get along because the way of Jesus challenges us. So thank you for your pastor geek out moment. For those of you, you can save that email now. Now you know. Jesus' mission was a way of peace. So back to you, back to you, back to you. Got a question for you. What are you known for, Christian? Follower of Jesus, are you known as a peacemaker or more of a peacetaker? Well, people may call me a peacetaker. I just tell it like it is. Okay, yeah. But you're called to be a peacemaker, not a peacetaker. What are you known for? What are you known for at the office? What are you known for in the meeting? You can always count on him. You can always count on her. You can always count on them to just, man, when they walk in, when you walk into a room, do people pucker just a bit? You go, <gasps> right? Do they get, does it get a little tense? Because you never know what they're going to say. You never know what they're going to do. Listen, I, have, I know people like that, I, you're, right? There's people like that in your life. There are people like that you work with. There's people like that in your family. Oh, we're all around the table together at the holidays. And the people pleasers in the family are really nervous. What is she going to say? What is she going to say? What is she going to do? Are you that person? Are you the one that usually says the thing that just, and then it's on. It's wide open now because he went there. She went there, right? Are you known as a peacemaker? More of a peacetaker. Unfortunately, like I said before, Christians in the church have been known for taking more peace than we have been bringing 
And in the name of taking a stand, often what we end up just doing is yelling at the darkness and how dark the darkness is instead of bringing a light. It does you no good to tell the dark how dark it is. It's dark. We do. We look at the news and we're like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? This world and the shape it's in. Blah, 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 blah. And we just gripe and moan and gripe and moan and gripe and moan and gripe and moan and we accomplish nothing. We just stress each other out. And we make some statements and we say, but I took a stand and I told the darkness how dark it was. And you've done nothing, really, except stress people out. What about bringing light? We're going to be peacemakers. So I want to help you with this. Last few minutes we have together. I want to help you with this. I want you to think about that situation in your life with that person in your life where there is so much unrest and conflict. You don't see that eye. You, you don't, you're not getting along. It's just, yeah, you know who they are. You know what the situation is. And I'm, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's their fault. But just, just know. Just think of them. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself, what do I need to do next as a peacemaker? Assuming, assuming. I'm just assuming now. Again, I'm talking to followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, everything I'm getting ready to say will work for you too. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is on you. And this is on me. What do you need to do next? I made a list. Just my list. Not the perfect list. Not a comprehensive list. Just my list. You can add to this list. You'll have a hard time taking away from this list. These are some of the basics. Things like this. You pray for them. You pray about them. You pray with them. Really hard to be unkind to someone you're praying for. Really hard to mistreat someone when you're spending time in prayer concerning that situation. And it's not just God let them have it. Show them what a jerk they are. God help me to be able to point out what their problem is. Give me the words to put them in their place. No, this is just God help me to know what it looks like to bring peace to the situation. Here's one. We could just stop right here. Assume the best. Assume the best about them. Assume the best about the situation. Assume the best. This is hard. You know why? Because by nature, we assume the worst, don't we? Oh, I know what's going on. I bet I know. I know. I know. And I told you, see? You just mark it down. Mark it down. I'm telling you, this is what's really going on. I'm telling you, that's what she's doing. I'm telling you, this is his agenda. Just see if I ain't right. What if we assume the best? Here's why you need to assume the best. Listen very carefully. You don't know what you think you know. You don't know. You don't understand everything you think you understand. You don't know what's really going on in her life. You don't understand what he's really facing. You don't know what it's really like to be them. You think you do, and you may know some stuff. But just assume the best. If you assume the best up front, you're well on your way to being a peacemaker. Have a conversation. Conversation is much bigger than making a statement, okay? This is a conversation. Conversation involves asking questions and shutting up to listen and listening more than you talk. Have a conversation to understand, to understand. What do you need to do next? What about, what about you just adopt this attitude? A you before me attitude. You know what you before me is? You before me is what it means to submit 
Me submit to them? Yes, because see, you're a Christian, right? You're a follower of Jesus, right? And we're told as followers of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 5, I think verse 20 or 21, to submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. We're to submit to one another. Me to you, you to me, you to them, and you to her, and you to him, and yep, them. Even, is that every effort, everyone, every effort, everyone, okay? Every effort, everyone. You before me. You before me. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if I can think of a situation or a conflict that cannot be resolved and worked through and healed. If people bring a you before me attitude to it. Listen, I, I know I look young, but I've been doing this a while. Don't, don't let the cherub-like young demeanor fool you. And I've done this long enough to tell you, a you before me, if, if you really commit to it, there's, there's not anything in a marriage that I know of that I've seen yet that can't get healed. And I've seen some stuff. There's, there's not, I can't conceive of something in a friendship that can't be healed. Something in a community, much less a country, in a family that can't be healed with a you before me. Talk about peacemaking. It's easier said than done. I agree. I agree. But this is what we're called to. A couple more. Forgive each other. Because if you're going to go with a you before me attitude, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to get good at it. Get good at it. Flex that muscle. And the more you forgive, the better you get at forgiving. You say, well, I did that, I did that, and I did that, and I gave him a second chance three times. Okay, so now we're counting. Be careful not to count how many times you forgive. People who count how many times they forgive have forgotten how many times they've been forgiven. Forgive. This is how you make peace and take action. Now we're talking, take action. You mean put them in their place? No, I, I mean serve them. <laughs> Sacrifice for them. Give to them. Help make things better. In other words, you take everything on this list and let's boil it down to one thing. It's the new command that Jesus gave us. Basically, what do you need to do next? I'll tell you what you need to do next. You and I need to love as Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. Okay, great. Then go do that because that's what he has called us to do. Now, before we're done, just so I can make sure I speak to what many of you are thinking and feeling right now, because I, I get it, I can, I can subliminally feel it. I hear you, Pastor Man, I hear you. Great, great little talk. In a perfect world, boy, wouldn't that be nice? But what if it's one-sided? Because I'm trying. But it takes two, right? What if you're the only one? What if it's one-sided? What if peacemaking is one-sided? Listen very carefully. Peacemaking, as Jesus made peace, is often one-sided. That's where it unfortunately begins most of the time, is one-sided. And unfortunately, it is often one-sided for a long time. What if it's one-sided? God knew. 
So we had Paul put this down for us. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Some of you are like, aha, the loophole. As far as it's possible, it ain't possible. I tried. Ha ha, I found it. Thank you, preacher man. It's exactly what I needed. No, 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 no. You stop reading. You stop reading. Yes, the reality is some people just will not receive peace. But you keep reading. Keep reading. As far as it depends on you. Everyone. As far as it depends on you. Most of the time, you and I don't go far enough. We don't go far enough. We don't go far enough. I bet you haven't gone far enough. You say, well, how far do I go? How far do I go? I, I, I don't know. I mean, to not kind of lay the gauntlet down, but Jesus went this far and sacrificed his own life and then said, y'all go do for each other what I've done for you. Everyone, there it is again, everyone. Be a peacemaker. Please be a peacemaker. Let me say this as clearly yet as kindly as I can. If you call yourself a Christian and you refuse to be a peacemaker, then please stop telling people you're a Christian. Please stop carrying around the name of Jesus and throwing his name around if you're not going to be a peacemaker because you're making us all look bad. And you're making him look bad and what his mission is about. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Parents, have you ever had that moment where you look at your kids and go, I don't know whose kid that is. That wonder if our Heavenly Father, if we, if, if, if we put him in places where he looks at us and goes... I don't know who's good in there. Because God's kids bring and make peace. So since you are one of his kids, let's make some peace. Let's be peacemakers. And let's start right now. And let's start today. Trust him with the results. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you. This is hard stuff. This is difficult stuff. It's so much easier just to make statements and to make a point and to walk away thinking you're right. It's so much more challenging to engage in a loving, peacemaking way. But that's what you've done for us. Father, may we not lull ourselves to apathy, to sleep, assuming we've done our part because we've made some bold statements about what we think and what we believe and what's right and what's wrong and who's right and who's wrong. Help us to know our job's not done until we've made every effort with everyone, which means our job is not done. My job is not done. Thank you for your mission of peace and the forgiveness and the hope that it brings And help me to join you. Help us to join you in our relationships right now. In Jesus' name, amen.